We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. You have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How is that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? Welcome back to the Underage Packers podcast. This is Joey. And joining me on this fabulous week is a man who faced some trauma this past Sunday because he got to witness the great events of Lambeau Field in person. Um, so, Big B, glad to see you are um, still alive, still doing well, I guess. Uh, welcome to this week's show. Yes, I am here. I'm alive, barely. Uh didn't think I'd make it to this point in the week, but here we are. Yeah, it's it's certainly been a long week since three or four days ago when we were, you know, sitting on our beds. And I, I a lot of props to you because I cannot imagine that long walk back to the car um, after witnessing that. Can I ask you where did you park just so I can get a sense of how long you had to hold back those tears? Um. Man, I don't even know. It was a long walk, though. It was a good 15-minute walk, I think. Oh, man. I cannot imagine the energy walking through that concourse trying to exit. Because, you know, when it's after a win, it's great. Everybody's screaming, go, Pat, go. Everybody's drunk. It's a great time. And in this case, everybody is still drunk. But nobody is happy (laughs) except those Lonesome Lions fans. So, Pretty obvious what we'll be talking about today. We'll be talking about the once again failure to uh, step up to the stage by the Green Bay Packers in the most important game of the season. And then we'll be talking about the future of this team. So should be, I wouldn't say a fun one, but it should be an interesting one for sure. First off, I just got a, you know, a, a general reflection on this season. Okay. I'm not sure how I will remember this season by. I was thinking, though, in future years, I will think of this game as a playoff game. Like, I might even mistake it sometimes as, like, the wild card round because it had those stakes. Um, And I'm really not sure how I feel about this season. If the Packers were expected to go 8-9, and then I'd probably feel a lot different. But the fact that they were expected to be somewhere in the range of 10 to 13 wins and they were abysmal for that middle stretch of the season. It it does not have that same, you know, sweetness that it does for that run that they almost completed that, you know, for a Detroit Lions fan, it might, like, this season is probably one of great memory for them. And they have not had many seasons like this. And I'm not even trying to say that to trash talk them to Sean Elliott, but... That's that's just the facts of the situation. Okay. Um, I'm not sure I'll remember the season and what a lot of people have been using to cope these past few days is the fact that Green Bay would have had to go to San Fran and play them at uh, Levi Stadium. And the Packers probably would have lost that game. But I really, really just wanted Sunday night to be a night of celebration. I wanted to go on Instagram and see the posts from at Packers, from the Packer page, 
from all these different fan pages, all the personalities that I follow to be celebrating. I wanted that so bad. I wanted to be drudging along at school the next day because I only got three hours of sleep and drank five Dr. Peppers the night before. I wanted that so badly. I wanted this week to be so much fun, to still have the press conferences going, to still have all this content, to be celebrating this fact that the Packers went from 2% playoff chances to in the playoffs. I wanted to not have to pay my coworker $10 because I made a great bet midway through the season saying the Packers would make the playoffs. But guess what? I had to pay him his $10 yesterday, and it was painful. All right. I do not care what would have happened on this Sunday or any of the Sundays ahead. I mean, a Super Bowl win would have been great. But I just wanted so badly that night of celebration to cap off what would have been an incredible run. Um, Big B, do you share those same feelings as me? Um, yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, once all the emotion is out of it, since clearly the emotion is still not out of me yet, I'll just look back and say, wow, we were four and eight. We almost made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That was a hell of a run we went on at the end of the season. And of course, of course, the Lions had to say, ha ha, screw you. And of course, you know, Jamal Williams had to have one of his best nights of the year, you know, against the Packers. But we won't talk about that quite yet. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I'm looking at my background. And I see this. Why do I have this Lions logo prominently displayed in my background? It's because it's supposed to be like a remake of the Hail Mary at Ford Field. But like, oh, my God. Now just looking at that gives me so much putrid feelings. But, yeah, I mean, the one thing is that the season was not a 2018 where they only won six games and was a dumpster fire from beginning to end. You know, those four games that they won were so much fun. Um, But, hey, couldn't close it off. So getting to this actual game, the lackadaisical, um, just not knowing what they're doing at all, unpreparation from this Packers team is very bewildering. And the fact that this is the third year in a row that it has happened, you can throw 2019 in there if you want to, but I, I don't count that in there. It's, it's unbelievable. And I said this in the video that I put out on Tuesday morning, but the fact that we are getting personal fouls, just idiotic, stupid, personal fouls that cost us 15 yards on a field goal that cost us a first down in the lines uh, while the lines were driving is ridiculous in the biggest game of the season. It felt like everybody besides the green Bay Packers players knew the season was on the line in this game. Like, I, I guess they just didn't get the memo. My, you have that, and then you have just bizarre play calling. Play calling you'd expect from a team that had been eliminated from the playoffs like the Lions, but not for a team that is fighting to keep their season alive. I mean, are you kidding me with a sweep to Alan Gashdan Lazard, your slowest wide receiver, on fourth and one at the Lions, right, your own 30-yard line? What are we doing? And then third down, 
you get the ball with four minutes left down by four and your call on third down is the same one that you lost a season on last year. And then you have awful protection. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers, I can't really blame him for taking that 1% chance uh, completion to Christian Watson because he has a defender in his face and you can't see that Alan Lazard is going to break that route open. What is that play call? What is that? I mean, I'm not a, a play calling genius, but this same play, and I'll, I'll throw it up here now that Andy Herman tweeted out, the same play that they've lost the season on the past two years. You have two guys running verticals, and then Lazard both times has been on a deep crosser over the middle. Last year, the two guys on the verticals were Equinemius St. Brown and Devontae Adams. This year, it was Christian Watson and who and Randall Cobb. Are you kidding me with that? Are you kidding? I, I, I am lost for words at some of the play calling decisions in this game. And it just pales in comparison to what the Lions did by, I mean, especially on that second and 17 after a holding call that pushed them way back could have been a huge game changer, could have been something that kept the Packers alive. But Ben Johnson draws up a genius play. And man, if Chris Barnes just hits the initial wide receiver who has that ball, if he just hits him a second earlier, maybe it messes up the delivery of that. But what if, could have, should have is the story of this game. And uh, it's frustrating. This is really, I've kind of tried to keep my anger down with this for the past few days, but that rant just let it all back out. Um, Big B, anything else you want to scream about that I didn't hit on? I mean, since you pretty much hit everything on the offensive side, I agree with damn near everything you said. The, uh, I guess decision-making by Joe Barry on a defensive side playing 17 yards off on like fourth and two or whatever is with the game on the line and not pressing Jair Alexander on the intended target who uh, made the catch on that set play is really, really frustrating. It seems like I probably last year too, I'm blanking currently, but seems like every time his job is at stake, he gets the defense to be more aggressive. They play so much better. And then he thinks, man, I have, I've done a good job these last couple of weeks. My job is safe. So guess what? We're going to go back to playing 17 yards off on third and two, and we will have a job next year at least. And hopefully they don't see past my stupid ass playing 17 yards off bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit funny that the – the dagger for the Detroit Lions on fourth and two was a curl route. Whoever could have seen that coming on fourth and short. I mean, like, what the hell are we doing? Like, it seems like all these short passes, like, there's always, like, four people in the area. Like, cover. Go go yeah. to him. You're the only – he's the only receiver in that area. Like, step in front, at least. Yeah. Try to make an attempt at knocking the ball away. But you stand there like a dipshit until he catches the football, and then the game's over. Like, I don't understand. It's the same – I feel like it's the same shit every single week. But this week, it just pisses me off even more, and I'm just tired of the same 
garbage every single week, and it seems like every single year at this point. Yeah, I mean, I do have to say, everything else besides that final drive, really, by Joe Barry's unit was a solid job. Holding one of the top offenses in the league to 20 points is is an overall good performance. And just like last year, the offense just did not do enough. And part of that, like, they, they had the opportunities. They had some solid drives, but they just could not produce in the red zone at all. And, you know, part of that is Aaron Rodgers just willingly taking sacks that pushed them back 15 yards. That was what cost them from scoring six off of Nixon's big kick return in Miami. And that's what caused them to have 12 points or four field goals at the end of this half. Um, this, the red zone offense, you know, 2020, it was at its mountain peak. 2021, with Hackett still there, it, it subsided a little bit, a little bit of fall. And now we are deep deep in the ditch at red zone offense and big P I'd like to tell you a stat that is probably going to hurt your feelings, but the Detroit lions are 27th and red zone defense teams score on their defense in the red zone. 63% of the times touchdowns. It's ouch. It's hard to take him. And they have the players to do it. They have Robert Tunyon. They have Aaron Jones. They have A.J. Dillon. But uh, something's got to change in the red zone department. That's that's for certain. Yeah, this year it just seems like we are just allergic to scoring touchdowns against the Lions. Like, I feel like this game and then, what was it, week nine, was literally a carbon copy. Like, it seemed like we were watching the same game. Yeah. We just could not punch it in at all, wasting opportunities. I mean, we scored a more points, but you got to get touchdowns, especially in a winner go home game, and especially against the Lions team that has proven they can score points and, and proven they will never give up until the clock hits zero. Yeah, I mean, the Packers' two games against the Lions have been an anomaly for the Lions this season. And most of the games for the Lions, they are going in shootouts with teams. I think the final score of their game with Seattle earlier on in the season was like, 41 to 38, but the Packers just do not match them on offense at all. And you're not going to win virtually a playoff game by consistently taking field goals. Now there is a lot with this game that reminded me of a 49ers game last year. You know, you have Aaron Rodgers getting the ball back with a few minutes left and, you know, coming up short, but they're also the same vibe was felt throughout this whole entire game all right the Packers have solid drive on offense to open things up but they got to kick a field goal they have a 16 to 3 lead at one point but even then it's like oh man they are playing really bad right now going into the first half with the lead I mean it already wasn't a good sequence of events leading up to halftime because you had Mason Crosby missing a field goal and then you had the Lions making one, so a difference of six points there. Um, but going into halftime, even with that lead, it was like, I do not feel great about this. And then the second half comes along. What was bad in the first half goes to crap in the second. Aaron Jones fumbles it, and it's pretty much all over. 
from there. And that Aaron Jones fumble reminded me a lot of the Mercedes Lewis fumble against San Fran, although that one was quite a bit earlier in the game. But um, just never really feeling secure in that game. Uh, So very disappointing outcomes. And possibly the biggest similarity, as I mentioned, was Aaron Rodgers coming up short. Um, Aaron Rodgers stands, including our friend Harold. Um, cover your ears if this will hurt your feelings. Um, but Rodgers is I, I, like he is not a quarterback that anybody should fear to play in the playoffs or in a high stakes games, especially in the cold at this point. Um, and I mean, it wasn't a great season for him either, but with the season on the line, it's going to pay $50 million to win the game for this win, win the game for his team. And he did not do that at all. He reverts back to his hero ball, reverts back to trying to erase this, uh, the lead with two plays instead of getting in rhythm, taking what it's given to him. He's missing passes. He was inaccurate all night really and i know there there was a few drops there was bad protection from the offensive line but there was also rogers throwing the ball at romeo dobbs feet missing a lot of other passes so rogers isn't completely to blame obviously but he is the leader of this team he is what what 80 percent of their cap space money is going towards and he cannot get it done once again And we go around this carousel, to use his phrasing, over and over and over and over again. And at this point, I I see no way. I mean, I would be, I hate when people say this, but I'd love to be proven wrong. But I do not think, I do not see any world in which next year the Packers win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying that. I see that world happening with Jordan Love. I'm just saying with Aaron Rodgers, I do not see that happening. And it's hard to let go of that. It is. It is hard to accept the fact that after 2010, when the mindset was we got at least one or two more Super Bowls coming in in this next decade, it's hard to accept all these losses that we've seen over the past 13 years and that that is the truth that they couldn't figure it out just one of those years and that each of those losses have their little details that are so excruciating, painful to look back on. And really it's kind of, I mean, we are spoiled in the fact that we've been in the playoffs over and over again, and we've had this streak of success, but also it is unbelievable how, Things have just like never bounced their way in one of these big games that they've just never gotten that lucky um, that the luck runs out. And, you know, the playoffs and everything about this league, it is a game of inches. And, you know, if just one of those plays goes different, who knows what this what we're talking about now? Who knows? I mean, they could be 15 time champions by now. One thing that especially brought this to my mind was seeing the double doink again. And it just reminded me of that whole bear season and the fact that 
if Cody Parkey just makes that field goal, and if Packers legend Travion Hester doesn't get his hands on it, the Eagles are eliminated from the playoffs, and the 2018 Bears, who are a really good team, I mean, who knows what happens? And, hey, I mean, even who knows what happens if they go play Minnesota in the NFC Championship game at their house. Like, it's just those little plays that, like, it, it's kind of crazy how the Packers have just have never had one of those go their way. Um, okay, back to Aaron Rodgers. It's hard <laughs> to accept that this is the facts, but it is, and I think we got to move on. I think we have to get off this carousel. You know, when Aaron Rodgers was making that analogy, all in my mind was thinking, I am this kid that is about to throw up and begging to get off this carousel. Take me off. I'm sick. Sick of it. Um, Big B, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? Are you ready to puke on this carousel too? I mean, I, I'm just going to go back to what I said last year. I'm just, I just had, I'm just had it with this entire situation. Yeah. And the uh, will he return, will he not return? So at this point, if he wants to return, great. I'll have him back. He'll be back. Great. Love Aaron Rodgers. Love to get another year with him. But if he moves on and doesn't accept his, what, $40 million he's earning next year, then great. I don't care. Like, Jordan loves season. Let's go. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just waiting to see what happens, and I'll be on that train whenever the decision is made. Yes, at the end of the day, unlike some fans, mainly we are Packers fans. First thing, Correct. we are Packers fans. Everything else is second to that. Um, and with Rodgers, you know, the thought was, like the main argument that even the two of us were making this whole time was, he is not going to retire. He's not going to walk away from all that money. But then listening to his press conference and hearing him say something like, time, and, time is energy and energy is money. I was like, you know what? If anybody is going to walk away from fifty million Aaron dollars, it is definitely Aaron Rodgers. That is, that is. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I certainly think his press conference made me think there is more than a zero percent chance that he would retire. I still think it's less than likely. Um, you know what he said to Jameson Williams too—that he didn't want to give his jersey to him. You know, you can take that how you want, but I will give you this piece of advice over this these next two or three months, which is to not pay attention to pretty much any headline you see saying that Aaron Rodgers is leaning towards retirement. Aaron Rodgers is staying with the Packers, and here's why. Because Aaron Rodgers doesn't even know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do next season. Like, you, don't, you just got to listen to the words that are coming out of his mouth. He is saying that he is going to decide. He is going to wait to see how he feels. It's going to take his time. I don't know if ayahuasca will be involved, but it's going to take his time to mull over his feelings and uh, see how he feels over these next few weeks. Decided if he wants to come back. And hindsight is 2020, um, but it is interesting to imagine what world we'd be living in and if the Packers took that risk um, this in February of 2021 and just traded him got a big return and his trade value is much lower it now 
not only because he's aged a year, but also because he didn't have another MVP season this past year, which is obviously a very high bar. But his trade value has gone down, and we'll see uh, what happens for sure. But we will be here with all of it. I will never forget that moment uh, before the 2020 draft, seeing that segment on ESPN, Adam Schefter saying that Aaron Rodgers wants to exit, exit Green Bay and the immediate live stream that me and Big B did following. It's been, it's been a long three years since then, and here we are again. Hasn't stopped, unfortunately, either. No. Um, now, one thing I didn't want to bring up, uh, a good thing about Aaron Rodgers was while listening to his post-game press conference, the most important thing he said was he gave Big B another shout-out inadvertently. So let's roll that clip. Went through this and fought through this season in totality. The truth about them, I think, uh, thanks to Make-A-Wish Kid, uh, <laughs> I did have a fractured thumb, and there were other injuries uh, that weren't as severe as that. If he needs to be, I understand this is hypothetical. Is Jordan ready to be the starting quarterback for this team? I don't know if you ever. Uh... Absolutely. There we go. You know, it's funny that Aaron Rodgers has, like, mentioned us three times now and, like, literally has no idea he knows both of us. Uh, but he's a great friend of the show, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, just regarding the last 10 minutes of what we said. Okay, that's the future of Aaron Rodgers. Now, taking a step back, the future of this team. They've got a long way to go. This is probably the least hopeful I've been of this team of the past three or four years. Um, but that doesn't mean they won't turn around. Um, there's just a lot of mystery to what this team looks like. Matt LaFleur pretty much implied in his press conference that he wants to run it back again, which is a yikes to me because a lot of players performed under expectations this year. Um, and I'm not saying they should do a complete reset, but it doesn't have to be one or the other. Uh, he also said that he uh, doesn't anticipate any staff moves uh, or firing. So that does include Joe Barry, like it or not. Um, you know, a few uh, coaches that could be added to his staff in some fashion. Um, I don't know what the movement for these um, these coaches would look like. Um, but you'd have Nathaniel Hackett, who LaFleur mentioned, possibly bringing back. You do have Justin Auden, who was the Broncos offensive coordinator. He was Packers tight end coach. And Matt has known Auden all the way back to their time with um, Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan um, in Atlanta. And then you also have his brother, Mike LaFleur, uh, who got fired by the, the New York Jets as their offensive coordinator. So, like I said, I don't know what the subsequent moves would look like for those hirings if they were to happen, but certainly would be interesting additions. I, for one, would just like the the stories of Matt and his brother hanging out together because it honestly feels like it goes under-mentioned that he has a brother who is an offensive mind in this league. Like, it's, it's not as brought up as I think it should be for some reason, and I don't expect everybody to be, like, 
freaking out about it every week, but it's kind of just a forgotten fact in my opinion. It's, prob- uh, it's probably just one of those things where like only we care about it. Yeah. So we expect everybody else to care about it at the same time, but nobody else cares about it. It's probably one of those things, you know? Yeah, probably true. Um, so some possible hires there. As far as players, I should probably pull up the players that are going to be unrestricted free agents here. So let me do that. Yeah, Randall Cobb, obviously. I don't think he gets brought back, unfortunately. You have Dean Lowry, once again, and Mason Crosby, probably not. Uh, but maybe. I think, you know, what he did over this last half of the season makes him a better argument. Alan Lazard, who seemed pretty angry with the team in his closing press conference this Monday. Um, but kind of hard to read his anger as either being directed towards the team or just the situation in general. Uh, so we'll see with Allen, you know, if a team is going to offer him something over, I don't know, $8 million a year, I don't see the Packers matching that offer um, after a disappointing season from him. Uh, Robert Tunyon, I definitely see him being brought back. Jaron Reed had a strong last half of the season. I would think, especially since they're probably going to let Dean Lowry walk, they'll probably be Reed back. Big Dog, probably up to him. They've done these one-year contracts over the past two years, and um, if he wants to come back, I'm sure they have no problem with doing that. Uh, and then, well, let's see, anybody else important? Unless you really care about Don Leavitt, Eric Wilson, what they'll do with him. Keyshawn Nixon. Oh, okay, here's a list of three interesting ones. Keyshawn Nixon. I, I don't think some team pays him an outrageous amount. I think he want. I, I think he would want to stay in Green Bay with Richard Basaccia. I think he'd he'd want that. Um, and then you have Yash Nyman, who is probably the most interesting one out of all of these. I believe this is the first time he is an uh, unrestricted free agent, opposed to a restricted free agent. So that's a big deal. He has been, you know, thrown around in there as a possible trade candidate over these past two years whenever he made his name last year but I mean he is really solid depth offensive tackle that is kind of hard to come by um I really like him on the Packers I think they need him but hey if he goes out there and gets paid a pass to Virginia Tech Hokie Yash Nyman and we gladly thank him for his time um seriously a Packers legend I hope the best for him and then Adrian Amos Man, really unfortunate season for him. Would have been great if he could have had a, a strong year tinned off his contract. That was not the case, obviously. Um, honestly, with his down year, I would not be surprised if the Packers and him come to a team-friendly one-year deal where he gets to kind of reset this playing field so he can hopefully get a, you know, a two or three year deal to finish off his career um, after that comes to an end. So interesting outlook for this team. I will have to report back to you after I do my annual um, Madden franchise where I play out like the next five or six years and live in a fantasy world. It's, it's great really. Um, but big B any thoughts on the Packers free agent class there? Um, 
Only person I care about is Sean Nixon. If we don't sign him to a seven-year contract extension, I will cry. Definitely. And one thing I wanted to bring up with Nixon, I'm sure it was all over your Twitter feed, but the NFLPA wanted to do this little silly thing where they were going to take back the narrative from the AP All-Pro team. So like, oh, we're going to do it ourselves, even though nobody is going to care about this list. And I'm probably being too mean to the Players Association because I believe in much more for their, uh, not their rights, but their, um, what, what's the even word I'm thinking of? Um, anyways, I root for the players. I'm in the players' best interest compared to the owners. Love what the PA does in most cases. But the stupid list that they did, and they didn't have Keyshawn Nixon as kick returner, who led the league in kick return yards with only starting as kick returner in the last, what, seven games of the season. Led the league in kick return yards, had his kick return for a touchdown. Wasn't enough. They, in fact, went with Cordero Patterson, who had nine kick returns. Nine. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing in NFLPA? You expect people to take this list seriously? And I think it's kind of just what happens with the, the Pro Bowl a lot with um, Bobby Wagner, who these past three or four years, his last three or four years with the Seahawks before he went to the Rams this year, I feel like everybody just didn't know any other linebacker that was that great. So like, ah, Bobby Wagner, he, he was good. So I feel like that's kind of what happened with uh, Cordero Patterson here. People were like, oh, Cordero, oh, he, he's a good guy. I like him. He's probably good at kick returner. Um, but hey, Keyshawn, I don't know if he'll get the APL pro vote either. Um, but he should definitely get the second team at least. I Maybe if the guy for the Vikings might get the AP won just because they might like um, that he was, you know, started the whole season. But either way, Nixon snubbed um, from the um, NFLPA list. Other than that, that is going to end this regular season off for the Green Bay Packers and for the Underage Packers podcast. But we will not be going anywhere, folks. Um, I said. The big B after the game ended, like, well, at least we get to make offseason content now because I love those days in the offseason where I'm feeling bored. I can just make a random video and it is so much fun. Cannot wait for the drafts. We will bore you with mock drafts because they do really, really well on this channel. Um, so I'm excited for it. Make sure you follow us on all the social media to keep up with all of it. Um, and other than that, Big B, all of a season. Cheers to the Dr. Pepper, mate. I don't have Dr. Pepper, but cheers. <laughs> yeah, staying healthier than me. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Talk to you later. Go Pack Go.